Some of you were here last week, and, and I shared with you a little bit about the, uh, the trip we took and, and to the Nobel Peace Prize, and, and it comes out of Luke's Gospels, our starting place. So if you have your Bible, turn there with me, and we'll start in Luke chapter 2. And it's the Christmas story, but it, this one highlights the declaration of the angels and, and what they said when the Lord first appeared as a baby on that night. And there was a declaration, a proclamation that I want to just spend a little time on tonight and talk about. In Luke 2, 8, it says, Now there was in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. For there is to born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in the manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. Verse 15, it says, So it was when the angels had gone away from them and into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the, the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, and it was told them. The declaration I put up on the screen was one of the first things they said. It was, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, what? Peace, goodwill towards men. Well, a couple weeks ago, as I shared with the church family, and maybe if you were guests with this last week, I unpacked a little bit, we had the privilege of going to uh, Oslo, Norway, to see the awards for the... Uh, the Nobel Peace Prize. And uh, in so doing, you know, there, there was just this emphasis on resolving conflict and working through things that, uh, you know, have caused nations to divide and wars for, since really, you know, the dawn of man, there's been wars and conflicts. But I've been thinking about some of these elements of peace. And this is the uh, Civic Center there in Oslo, Norway. Uh, I shared last week, this was all because of my son, his company, Encircle, that he partnered with. He's a geocommerce. He partnered with Encircle, and they sponsored the Peace Forum there. And because of that, he got some tickets. It was, it was his arranging the deal. And uh, so he surprised us on that Saturday after Thanksgiving with first-class tickets to go to Norway. And so here, here we are. One of the other things is that's Dr. Henry Kissinger and his son, David. And we got to do uh, father-son pictures with them. At, at the Peace Forum and had a little exchange there. And, and so this is the guy, Alfred Noble, who started all this. Now, Alfred Noble's story, he, uh, he was born in, what is it, 1833. So uh, he was second generation entrepreneur. His, his father was an inventor and a, a business guy. But this is his story. His brother Ludwig died while visiting Carnes in a French news, newspaper erroneously pub, published that it was Alfred's obituary. It condemned him for his invention of dynamite, and the obituary stated, La merchant de la mort est mort. The merchant of death is dead. 
So one of Alfred's um, inventions was dynamite, and when his brother died, falsely accused or falsely reported that he died, the newspaper started spreading all things about him. It said, Dr. Alfred Noble, who became rich by finding ways to kill more people faster than ever before, died yesterday. And Alfred, who never had a wife or children, was disappointed with what he read and concerned with how he would be remembered and is said to have brought about his decision to leave a legacy after his death. So he took his fortune amassed because he had never had a wife and children, and he put it towards the Nobel Peace Prize. And so since 1901, they've been doing these awards, and uh, so far, they, they do them in physics and chemistry and medicine and literature, and then there's the Nobel Peace Prize for somebody or people, plural, or organization every year that's helping promote peace somewhere in the world, and they get an award, and it's usually runs around a million dollars U.S. It's always in Norwegian money, and so that comes and goes up and down with our money. But since the, the war began, there's been 881 individuals that got it and 23 different organizations that received it. This is the Nobel Peace Center in Oslo, Norway. This is uh, where all the presentation are for the people that have uh, received them before. It's kind of a museum with collections of... Um, there are plaques, and you can hear, if you push buttons, you can hear people's quotes on peace and, and why they did what they did and their achievements. And so it's, it's quite a collection of people who love peace. So this is the memorial for Martin Luther King Jr. And this is kind of the gist of what they shared over there. This is, this is the heart of the peace movement. And this is written by John F. Kennedy. He did not receive a Nobel Prize, but his quotes are there concerning peace. It says, peace does not rest in the charters and covenants alone. It lies in the hearts and minds of all people. So let us not rest all our hopes on parchment and on paper. Let us strive to build peace, a desire for peace, and a willingness to work for peace in the hearts and minds of all our people. I believe that we can, and I realize the pursuit of peace is not as dramatic as the pursuit of war, but we have no more of an urgent task. And so the message is around the building, and the message is shared over the three days that we were there with presentations, really had to do with the ability of mankind to come together and work towards peace, solving these conflicts, these injustices. I tell you, there's some great efforts that are being done, and there's some amazing work and amazing pe people that have come together towards pursue it, and even some of them have been Christians. But when I think about Christmas night, I think about what the angels declared and really what was in the heart of God when Jesus came to earth, one of his motivations was peace, that, that, that we would experience true peace and not just a superficial peace, but, and there were some writings around and people talking about, you know, peace starts within and, and it really does. And in, in God's kingdom, there's, there's a priority on that, that we would know his peace and that Christmas would be another time for us to maybe take inventory and take a look at how much of his peace we really are experiencing. And if we're not, maybe to just open up our heart fresh on a Christmas and say, God, I'm just asking again to, that you would fill me with peace because I see through, through your Christmas story, I see through your word that's a priority to you, that I experience peace and not only just experience it, but I learn to minister peace. I learn to bring peace and to give peace away. And in number six, this is what God told Aaron, when you speak to my people or pray over my people or declare over my people, this is how I want you to do it. He said, do it this way, Aaron. When you speak over the people, say this, the Lord bless you and keep you. 
The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and what? And give you peace. So that was one of the priestly prayer. The high priest would declare that. May the Lord give you peace. May you experience his peace in your life. And then Jesus shows up, and, and he says, this peace I leave with you, my peace. Say my peace. So, so he wasn't just talking, you know, just absence of conflict kind of peace or having a good day kind of peace. He said, no, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives, I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So with that, he's saying there's a way that my peace can calm a troubled heart. My peace can give hope. My peace can relieve fear. My peace can give you to a place of confidence, a place of faith. His, his peace is a different kind of peace. How many have ever experienced it? Even, even in difficult times when the peace of God comes. His promise for peace is we see this on Christmas cards this time of year. We see it in different places from Isaiah 9, 6. Read it with me. For unto us a child is born. Come on. And unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And so here Isaiah prophesies several hundred years before Jesus shows up that he will be the Prince of Peace and that he's going to build peace. He's going to reveal peace. And the increase of that peace as we grow to know him, as we have relationship with the Prince of Peace, peace should be grown in our hearts. And it it shouldn't be just the secular world that's concerned about it. And I I can see, you know, from a national, international, how they make government accords and they make government alliances, those kind of things. But really, peace starts here. You and me, you know, in our homes, peace starts here with us tomorrow at the Christmas table, bringing peace to the family. Peace starts in this room where there's odd against one another, that when we're committed to it, when we're committed to his peace, committed to being developers and givers of his peace, it can radically change things, amen? Have you ever seen peace come in and change a family? I have. I've seen peace break through uh, tough marriage situations. I've seen peace break through where there's addiction and things in homes and and things get turned around and things get made right and the peace of God begins to reign in people's houses. It's it's God's peace. It's it's a different kind of peace and he wants it for us. Tell your neighbor he wants it for you. Tell him he wants it for you. So when we're born again, this idea when we're born again that God begins to work his peace in our heart is true. This is one of the benefits when we say yes to Jesus. He begins a peace process in us because peace is more just like than an absence of conflict. Peace goes so much deeper. The word shalom from the Hebrew and irene from the Greek, they're tied together. And many of you have been around for a while, you know this, but it's a great Bible study. Yesterday, a little bit this morning, I was looking through the definitions of Gint, how these words are just unpacked. And when you study them, there's just more life on them. I believe God wants us to have an abundant life, amen? I believe he wants us to prosper here. He has wholeness for us and healing for us and strength for us and safety for us and security. Jesus paid for it at the cross and I want everything he paid for. How about you? And so when we unpack the word for peace, it's tied to wholeness. It means to join together and to make whole, to make one, to unify. Some of us probably living for a while 
even some still, you know, just devil lives, you know, things that happen in the dark behind the scenes and then things that happen in front of people and you come to the Lord and he begins to reconcile that, to clean up the secrets, to, to break, break us free of the old stuff and, and allow us to live in wholeness, allow us to live in truth and that we're honest. And then there's that tranquility and the other part is victory, Victory over our enemies. That's what God wants for us. Not to live just being victimized, but to have true victory over, over the things of the flesh, the things of the world that would hinder us. Amen? Part of that word is a prosperity and abundance. So there's several different references, and maybe down the road, I'm going to take some more time with this, because when you unpack all the places where God talks about peace and, and the different definitions of peace, he paints a picture for people that's amazing. He paints a picture. His desire for covenant relationships with his people is amazing. And, and for, you know, for those reasons, the Jews, when he picked them out and said, you're going to be my people, and I'm going to pour my shalom on you, my hased on you, that I'm going to pour my abundance on you. My loving kindness is going to be revealed to you. They're the most blessed people in the world. And it's not just because of them. It's because God chose them. And he says, I'm choosing to pour out my loving kindness towards you. I'm choosing to pour out my shalom on you. And we walk in relationship with God because of the cross. And we can experience the same thing. Safety and security, healing and health. It's in, it's in the atonement. It's in what Jesus came for. Amen? Right. Amen. So this is God's instructions to us. So here he brings peace from heaven to earth, and then he gives instructions to us, and this is where we're going to spend the last part of our time. If it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. That's from New King James Version. As far as your responsibility goes, live at peace with everyone, Romans 12, 18. Here's what the message says. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you got it in you, get along with everybody. Yeah, those are pretty high and lofty goals, huh? But you know what? When God begins to work in us and he begins to put patience in us and the fruit of the Spirit begins to develop in us, his heart is that we be peacemakers and we, we learn to get along with other people and to flow with other people, amen? And to grow with other people and to, to develop with other people. So for a few minutes, I want to talk about drama people and peaceful people. Which one is the person next to you? No, don't tell me that. There's people that you know, that I know, that there's, there's drama stirred up in their life pretty regularly, and, and there's, there's something always on the edge, and there's something always to complain about, and there's something always to take a jab at, and somebody's hurt their feelings, and they're, they're, they live in that kind of mode, and then there's a buddy from, from Elf. And he's just a happy guy, and he loves everybody, and he likes everybody, and, and not that that's just the characteristics of a Christian, but a Christian, when as we grow, the ability to see good in people, the ability to be patient with people, the ability to be long-suffering with people, the ability to believe the best of people, that should be growing in you and me, amen? And uh, that, that's what makes for peace. So becoming more peaceful, first of all, it starts with God. And then there's a change of your focus and a change of your circumstances and, let, and then the willingness to let go. And we're going to unpack these for just a few minutes. Number one, it starts with God. That first declaration said, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, goodwill towards men. It starts glory to God in the highest. Scripture says that to, to experience real peace, it, it comes first from him. 
And so this, this piece that we talk about in salvation where God broke down the wall that separated us, as scripture said, he became unto us, Jesus became our peace. It, it, scripture commands us or tells us, instructs us to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So when I need peace in my life, instead of always looking at circumstances around me, God, change this, change that, change this, the first thing we can do is look to God and say, Lord, what are you doing in the midst of this? And, and I just receive your peace in the midst of this, Lord. I receive your peace in the midst of the trial. I receive your peace in the midst of the turbulence. So first, Lord, I'm going to look to you. I've got to give glory to God in the highest, and then on earth, peace. First it's vertical, and then it, it rains out horizontal. So one of the first things we can do when our peace is unsettled, Jesus said in John 16, 33, he said, in the world you'll have tribulation, you'll have stuff that presses you down, gets you out of sorts, but he said, take courage, I've overcome it, amen? So we can look to him first, we can, we can look to God first as our source of peace and our source of strength. And then th this other ability, number two, that we change our focus. Drama people are always rocked by changing circumstances, but peaceful people, their, their ability is just to switch their focus and not always look at just the negative, but to be able to ask the Lord, what, God, what are you going to teach me through this? What are you going to reveal through this challenge? It's a refocusing. Philippians 4 says this, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, what's lovely, what's of a good report, if there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, put your mind or dwell on these things. And so we have a choice if, if we're going to be peaceful people, what, what we look at, and believe me, I can switch in a heartbeat. There can be some amazing things happening even on a Sunday morning, and you hear some stories and something good happened and the answer to prayer and somebody got a job and, and just go outside and in a minute, I could get my focus on something negative and all of a sudden I'm at disease. I just gave up my peace. But because peace is a fruit of the spirit, say fruit of the spirit, fruit, you got you to tend it. You got to take care of it. You got to cultivate it. Peace has got to be maintained. I have to do things intentionally to get our little orange trees and mandarin trees in the backyard to grow like water them once in a while and, and fertilize them once in a while. And, and, and if I do those things, I get fruit out of them. Well, because fruit is the peace, uh, peace is a fruit of the spirit, I have to work on cultivating that and, and, and growing that up in my life so the fruit's born out in times of adversity or in times when things are challenging. So I got to pick my focus. And some of us, maybe drama people, are used to picking fights and sometimes used to, to just getting escalated real quick. And your button gets pushed and you get charged up right away. But peaceful people learn how to just chill with that a little bit and allow the fruit of the Spirit, allow peace to reign. Allow peace to come on you. Allow peace to fill you. Ask God's peace to just, to just drown out, drench, drench or overwhelm when worry and those things come. Anybody with me tonight? So changing your focus is huge. And, and I have to do that intentionally. I have to catch myself when I go down that little negative trail. I have to catch myself and say, no, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to put my focus on what the Lord is doing and what he has done. I'm going to put my focus on the peace of God and let the peace rule and let the peace take control. Number three, change your circumstances. Now, the difference sometimes between drama people and peaceful people is when things are tough and when things are tense and when things are overwhelming, 
peaceful people sometimes will say, I'm, I'm going to step out of this for a while. I'm going to go take a break. And even Jesus and Mark's gospel, he said, hey, guys, come on, get in the boat. We're going, we're going for a rest. We're going to get on the other side. Because the scripture says people were coming and going, and it was just busy and hectic. And Jesus himself even had to withdraw with his guys and say, hey, I'm going to change my circumstances for a little while, and I'm just going to take a break and step out of the heat and step out of the pressure and just go get in a peaceful place for a little while. And sometimes for me, that's a walk on the beach. I have a little outside office in Shell Beach, round table there in Shelter Cove. That's my outside office. It's got a million-dollar view, and I don't have to pay anything for it. It's just an amazing place. And so and I can now I can even get my cell signal. I can uh, do my own hotspot and work right there. So uh, sometimes just getting out of circumstances or getting away from the noise, getting away from the, the, the intensity I think peaceful people know how to do that. Just step out and escape for a little while. Just get away enough to a place to be refreshed and to be renewed. Amen? Amen. And then last but not least is, is to forgive, to let go. You know, th- this, is the, uh, this is the guy here from President Juan Manuel Santos that won the Nobel Peace Prize this year. And he won it for bringing, at least not to a close, but bringing to negotiations the, the different parties that have called a, caused a 50-year faction, 50 years of civil war in Colombia. And some of it's the drug lords and the cocoa, coca dealers, and uh, some of it's the people that have been victimized by the FARC, They're the Revolutionary Guard. These guys have been operating in the countryside. They've been taking hostages. There's been 220,000 people murdered and more than that kidnapped, more than that like 5 million displaced because of the civil war in Colombia. And he finally was able to get everybody at the table and as difficult as it's been to just trying to hammer out some kind of truce after 50 years, he's finally made some headway. And the Nobel uh, board decided to award him the... uh, the Nobel Peace Prize, but right before he was even to get the award, uh, beginning of December, in October and November, the thing started to fall apart again. And they rallied one more time and got a referendum passed, and, and now they're moving forward. But he said the most challenging thing, and this often is the truth when we're talking about making peace, is where there's been hurt feelings or there's been uh, you know, past wounds, or there's been people that have been hurt or maybe abused. There, there's 220,000 victims of this. And getting people just to come to a place where they'll let go. He said the amazing thing, he, he brought a delegation of victims to the peace accord. And all these have lost family members, have been murdered or kidnapped. Or they've suffered abuse at the hands of the revolutionaries. And there's people there that want justice. There's people there that want them to go to prison. And so they're negotiating some different kinds of sentences based on the war crimes. But what he said, the, the people that are most hungry to forgive and let go are the victims themselves. He said the politicians and other people around, they're the ones still holding on. But these guys, because they've seen the impact of war, they've seen the impact of just the, this, this abuse going on, they're the ones that says, we need to, we'll, we'll do whatever. We just need to rid ourselves of that. We want a fresh start. We want a new beginning. And as we're ending one year and we're entering into another year and we're about to take communion, maybe maybe there's some here that we just, you know, we we need to be letting go of some things. Maybe we've been holding on to stuff that, you know, as we're ending a year that the Lord's 
just begin to speak to you about your own peace and, and allowing your own peace just to get stolen so easy or so quickly and living in a place where peace is, you know, maybe not on your mind, like bringing peace to your home and keeping peace in your household or peace on your job where it's so easy just to pick up the gripe and the complaint of the, of the work party around you and, and to echo that rather than saying, Lord, I know peace is high priority in your kingdom. You said the increase of your government and peace that have no end. And so, Lord, what's my place in bringing peace to my, my place of influence? And how can I help bring peace? And peace is always not always just backing up, not saying anything, and just cowering backwards. No, I don't want to rock the boat. No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Sometimes peace takes conflict, hammering out the tough stuff putting it all out on the table, going through the conflict in order to get to the root and then bringing that to the Lord and say, Lord, help us. Help us in my home, God. Help us in our business. Help us maybe in, in a relationship stuff that you're in right now where you said, Lord, help me bring peace to the situation. And the good news is there's help from heaven when there isn't peace because God's called us to peace. There's help from heaven available to you and me where we need peace. So my prayer is... I've just been thinking over the last few weeks a lot about it, a lot about just God's call for peace and, and even in different places where we've been able to help with that. In Kenya, after the elections a few years ago, the Kukuyas and the, and the, um, the Luas were at each other and Shadrachs of one tribe, his wife's of the other, another tribe. And there's this conflict in Kenya. When we went there, we were able to speak into that and pray for God, just to help bring reconciliation and healing. And there's other places, other times where I feel like that, that call to help bring God's peace into situations is part of the role of ambassadors as the church. And so you and me can be brokers of that. We can help. We might not be able to help with world peace, but we can help what's going on right here in this room. We might not be able to change how nations get along, but we can change how neighbors get along. Amen. And are you up for taking on that call if the Lord begins to deal with you about it? Is there places where you would say, God, as I start a new year, if I'm out of peace and, and there's things I can do to, to help bring peace and to settle some things internally, maybe it's with sin. I tell you what, when there's sin in our life, there's almost always an uneasiness. There's almost always a, a restlessness, restlessness when we're at odds with the Lord. So first it starts this way, getting right with him, and then it can flow out this way and living right with other people.